Okay, guys. So today we're talking to parents of strong-willed kids. And you know who you are, and maybe you have been one yourself. One that's more spirited than most, who likes to test the limits, who's determined, outspoken, and maybe even defiant. Today, we're going to crack the code on their personality, meet their deepest core needs to improve their behavior, and also find ways to create patience when waiting for those changes to occur. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, my name is Stephanie Pletka, and I'm here to navigate the messy parts of motherhood. I'm a small-town mom of four who took a parenting blog and wrote a book to help moms find the goodness in the hard places, to chase their dreams, and write their story. So sit tight in the carpool lane. You know what I'm talking about, mamas. Comfortable in those yoga pants and get ready to be encouraged. This is the Motherhood Mindset with Stephanie Pletka. Guys, we have a great show for you today. I am interviewing Danielle Bettman, the powerhouse parenting coach for parents of strong-willed kids. She's a certified parent educator with years of experience as a teacher and home visitor with a degree in early childhood development from birth to age eight. She's also a mom to two daughters, wife to her high school sweetheart, and host of the podcast Failing Motherhood. I mean, who can identify with this? Thanks, Danielle, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we were just talking about how you're in Nebraska and I'm in Phoenix. Are you snowed in? No, we had a snow day and a late start last week, and there was not even enough snow to go sledding. It was a total ripoff. Yeah. We've done that before in Georgia. You go to Ace Hardware and you buy all the sleds and then nothing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a letdown. Tell us a little bit, something interesting about yourself that you would like the audience to know. I was a gymnast for about my entire childhood. I was competitive, and then I went into college cheerleading um, and later in life and in high school. So I am still relatively very flexible. And so it lends itself to yoga and some of the ways that I um, work out now. And like, I feel the most me when I am like moving and upside down <laughs> still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet the kids are like, mom's cool. She climbs trees still. And that's awesome. How did you end up as a parenting coach to moms of elementary age kids? Yeah. So, and so I was teaching in classrooms as a lead teacher, and then I started working for Save the Children and doing home visiting. And that's where I realized, you know, what happens in a classroom is great, but what happens at home is what's really wiring kids. And that's what matters most. And parents are the ones doing the hardest job in the world with very little training. And so I really saw the influence when I was home visiting of not just on one child for one year, but the whole family for like their whole childhood. Being able to connect parents with resources and do developmental screenings and bringing them books, it really just empowered them in such a huge way that had ripple effects all over like all of them. So then I became a parent myself and I wanted to go back and like apologize and be like, I didn't know anything I was talking about. Textbooks are one thing. Parenting is the real deal. You do not know what it is until you're in it. And so I had two girls back to back. They're 15 months apart. I don't professionally recommend that. It was a blur. But on the other side, I realized that these two girls could not have been more opposite. 
their personalities were just like oil and water. One was very go with the flow, wanted to make me happy, uh, not a lot of big emotions. And the other one was either laughing or crying about every 30 seconds. What is going on here? And then I started realizing that she was just this strong willed child personality or, or a spicy kid or, you know, there's lots of there's no official term, but it's really like, if you know, you know, and uh, I started helping other friends and I was leading a mom's group at the time and and just being able to provide a lot of what I knew was working at my house with others. And then I just decided about three and a half years ago to start doing in-home consultations locally. And then we all know that the pandemic struck, that turned to virtual. I ended up starting my podcast and now I work with families kind of all over the world. So here we are. Wow. How exciting. So let me ask you, how do you know if you're, and I know this sounds silly. It's like, how do you know if you're a parent of a strong willed child? Like you said, if you know, <laughs> girl, you know, but what do you consider, <laughs> isn't that funny? What do you consider the attributes of a strong willed child? Yes. Yes. Okay. So they are very sensitive as in, you know, if they get hangry or, you know, if they had a bad night's sleep because they will be noticeably overtired and that will affect their behavior um, pretty strongly. Whereas other kids, you know, they can take it or leave it. They have a very strong sense of self and they know what they want and they lose it when things don't go their way. They have unspoken expectations that come crashing down when met with reality and no one ever even promised whatever that they were expecting. They have an emotional Richter scale that has high highs and low lows and almost no in between where they can be extremely loving, then in the same breath, you know, jealous and downright mean. And so they, they send you on an emotional roller coaster and you quickly find yourself feeling very desperate or defeated or helpless when it comes to getting them to do the most simple care routines most days. Wow. Okay. You just described me. (laughs) (laughs) I have one child like that as well. So that is so funny. The hangry. Oh my gosh. If I just tell my husband like, you know what? I am so hungry. Like I'm that snicker bar commercial where it's like a bear. (laughs) And then as soon as you feed them, you know, it's like this sweet celebrity and you're like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So it's so funny. All right. I was talking to Karen Stubbs recently of Birds on a Wire and you know her as well. So yes. And she is really big on uh, Wire Talk, episode 257. She talks about the red child. And the red child being, when she talks about personalities, being uh, colors, like yellow is the more peaceful child. and But red is the one that is the strong-willed child. They're the ones that they like to control things with anger. But they have so many good qualities, too. They'll be like, oh, they got a C in conduct. Well, they're a talker. And that's not actually a bad thing, but sometimes it just needs to be controlled, right? They're so excited about life. Like they just, they know what they want. And when you mentioned the unmet expectations, but it's the ones that they didn't even say they wanted. So they love hard and they cry hard. Like everything is hard, right? Yes. Oh, when my, when my daughter gets excited, she is like, you can feel it. Her whole body just radiates and vibrates (laughs) it. Right. Totally, totally. And uh, they're great leaders and they're very Mm -hmm. decisive and they're very goal oriented, but can tend to feel maybe from others a little bossy. Yeah. Yeah. Being a strong willed child, is that a bad thing? 
No, it is not a bad thing. It is a force to be reckoned with for good. And I really feel like we can work with it or we can work against it. And I know a lot of parents of strong-willed kids are afraid of kind of crushing their spirit because they know it will be so advantageous for them later in life that they do have this whole skill set of being a leader and they won't conform to peer pressure down the road. And they really will do whatever it takes and be so determined in later in life. But that means that they're just as determined that they are justified to wear a superhero outfit to school and not regular clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and so it just it. makes these little negotiations become quickly like hostage negotiation scenarios when you find yourself trying to get them to do the, the most simple things because they just feel so justified and right in their mind that this is what needs to happen and you know you can you can get along for the ride. So the they are absolutely not bad. Usually they do really well in school because they totally know what's right or wrong and they can keep it together really well in other environments for other authority figures a lot of times. And then you usually pick them up from school and get the ensuing falling apart meltdown of everything <laughs> kind of hitting them all at once when they're back home and safe with you. And that can be a lot to handle too because you don't have – like that's just really hard to support someone when they are – on that roller coaster not to join them with it. So no, it's not bad at all, but I think that knowing that this is what you're dealing with and knowing how you want to manage it is going to help you leverage it and work with it rather than against it. That is such a good point. They hold it all together at school. They're probably maybe even the teacher's pet. They're that truth and justice. Maybe. Like they're the leader of the yep. pack. If anyone like, you know. They have besties that they're yeah. like, my daughter makes clubs at recess and oh yeah. <laughs> But if anybody breaks in the line, they are going to be held accountable. <laughs> Leanne Morgan, the comedian that's really funny from Tennessee, she was talking about, I guess she's got a strong-willed child like that. And she said, come into the carpool line. And my child is just so happy. And she's got all of her friends and the principal. She's like, hi, you know, Principal Jones. And she's just so happy. And she skips to the car. And then when she opens the door, she slings the backpack. It hits her mom across the head. And she's like, I'm hungry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This child was delightful. Like 30 seconds ago, I can see she's a different human at school. And then immediately she just all of the emotions just pile on her at once in the car. <laughs> hundred percent. That is like classic. Well, strong-willed kids can, I know, take you to the brink emotionally, but why is it so hard to stay calm? You know, what steps can we take to find more peace? Yes, it is so hard to stay calm because we have a story going on in our head that we are telling ourselves to explain the situation and interpret their behavior and figure out what we need to do next as their parent, what our role is. And a lot of times we overgeneralize and we kind of like have all of our fears informing our approach and we tend to easily compile the stress that's already there and pour gasoline on a burning fire and make it much harder to respond to what is truly a child crying over a broken granola bar. And instead, we've already jumped to you know, this child's going to be in juvie in 10 years. And, you know, if I don't get a hold of this, then I'm a bad parent. And how did I create this monster? And what if they do this to their grandpa or the principal, right? Like all of the fears then make it so hard for us not to completely panic over those giant scary things happening to our child when 
you know, we've completely detached from reality, which is the granola bar. A lot of times it's being able to realize even what those thoughts are because they happen so fast and we just, you know, react right off the bat. And that's why we jump to zero to 60 with them. And because we feel like it's urgent, we feel like, you know, it's so uncomfortable when they have these big emotions, especially if we're in public at all, then we we get all the eyes watching us. (laughs) Yes. And so then, then it compounds the, the urgency. So really it's just reminding yourself this moment right after this behavior happens is almost the least influential moment. We have time to deal with this. There is so much time for this behavior to get better, to teach this skill, to you know help them understand what's going on in a different way. And I can't do that when, I can't teach them that when they're not teachable. And in that moment, usually their lid has flipped, they are seeing red, they are not teachable in that moment when it's much more of a let's regulate moment. And if we have to be able to stay regulated to regulate them. So usually all it takes is like holding your tongue for five seconds longer than you would have just, you know, gone off the bat of what needs to happen, barking out orders or, or sending them to the room, whatever needs to happen. And if you can stop for five seconds, you can start to think about, okay, what's really going on here? Why are they so upset? What do I need if I'm going to deal with this, you know, ensuing meltdown and be a lot more educated and, you know, prepared in your response? That is a great message especially when they're at Target and we've Mm -hmm. drug them in there during their nap time. And, you know, if they're the kid that wants to control through anger, boy, that is not the place. I mean, for them it is, (laughs) but it's not the place (laughs) for us to be like, yeah, to just go nuts and be like, oh, you know, and try to teach them a lesson because when they're screaming and they know what they want, it's just not the spot to do that. I was speaking at a conference and it was moms of preschoolers to six years old. I heard a lot of women upset because their child was biting at school. Have I raised a bully? That was their biggest question. Have I raised a bully? I'm a terrible mom. Mm. And I thought, you know, these kids, sometimes they can't even talk, right? They're little and they don't feel heard. And so if someone keeps doing something they don't like, they're going to bite them. That's just a tool, right? To like, okay, well, they stopped. So it worked. It worked. These kids don't worry about them. They're going to be great. They're going to be leaders. They're going to be strong. They are going to be fine. They're going to be the CEO of some corporation. Yep. (laughs) We're going to be working for them one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so if we are leading and guiding them through their strengths, instead Mm -hmm. of grabbing a hold of your ball seat and then trying to teach them that way, is that the, is that the better way is to look at their strengths and try to pull out the goodness? Control is their currency or like their love language is, you know, attention and control where they just have these cups that need to get met and they will figure out what works to get those needs met. They will not go with them unmet. It's our choice as to whether we leave it up to them to figure out what works and keep doing that. Or if we beat them to the punch and provide positive ways to meet those needs, that's where we leverage those good opportunities where they can feel capable, where they can, life does make sense more, where they, they feel like they're in these roles that are of, you know, mini leadership. And when they have all of those positive ways, setting them up for success, that eliminates the behaviors that they were using to either communicate that message or work to get you know, something across or get that need met. Sometimes they can't substitute. They just stay stuck in what is working until we provide an alternative. And sometimes we kind of miss that mark because we're so fixated on stopping something. We're not, we're not giving them do this instead 
or here's, you know, I, I see the message you're sending. I hear you and I get it. And here's how I'm, you know, responding to that deeper message. Or, you know, I see that you're struggling with motion regulation. Let's work on that actively, right? Let's le- read lots of books about that. Let's, you know, provide you some more coping strategies. Let's see me modeling it more, which is probably going to help a lot too. But it's hard to problem solve all of those deeper things when everything is like, you know, throwing spaghetti at a wall and responding to the hottest fire in the moment. <laughs> that is true. I mean, that not that the way life is? You know, the little yes. kid that's super quiet, he's the one, <laughs> no one's watching him. And you're like, oh gosh, he's the quiet, more subdued one. I wanted to mention Maggie on Instagram, Maggie Perspectacles. If look her up, she's great. But she talks mm-hmm. also about if you have the child that's just so sweet and so agreeable and so, you know, just whatever mom wants, that's the child you better watch, right? Because yep. <laughs> because sometimes they're dealing with the strong-willed child the most because like you said, they're yes. whoever's angry and screaming, they're the ones that they're going to- The loudest mouth gets fed, right? That's right. That's right. When you talk about self-regulating, what mm-hmm. are a couple of tips that you would offer? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to roll their eyes when I say deep breaths. But when you tell a child when they're angry, you know, take some deep breaths, they're absolutely going to reject it. And that's normal, right? Like I would do that if my husband came up to me and was just like, calm down, take a deep breath, right? It's it's <laughs> offensive because you're not meeting me where I'm at. The first key for strong-willed kids to kind of unlock their stuck energy, the thing that they're fixating on, uh, the thing that they just can't move past because you know, I'm so hungry and you didn't bring snacks in the car after school, I'm not going to be able to move on. (laughs) I am going to reiterate how hungry I am for the entirety of this drive. Being able to meet them where they're at and say, I get it. You are so hungry. You had a really long day. Your stomach is growling. Saying for them what they're trying to say or agreeing with them and is going to start to diffuse what they feel like is this so urgent message that they have to escalate. It's giving them no more reason to escalate or even step into defense mode. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel heard. That's it. Yep. Say these you statements like you want to, you would love to, I know about you that you, you know, whatever it is. And then if I've been stuck in a car with a kid that I didn't have a snack for, and then I just started saying like, let's live out that fantasy. Uh, you're so hungry. What could you eat? Could you eat a whole watermelon right now? Could you eat like a meatloaf? <laughs> would, would you eat a, uh, you know, a whole box of popsicles? And then we'd made it playful. And you have a choice a lot of times to take the energy that the strong-willed child is throwing at you and funnel it into anger yourself or funnel it into playfulness and diffusing it and bringing them into where you're at, which is a much more calm state. That's the way to do it is to meet them with that empathy and then move them into playfulness because most of the time they're going to meet you right in it. And then you feel like an amazing parent. They want to still come to you at the end of that interaction rather than the alternative that we often find ourselves in. Then you're able to kind of regulate yourself too because it's not that they're giving you a hard time and it's all personal and it's an attack against you because then, of course, your fight or flight is going to get activated and you feel threatened. But instead, if you just see it as… Yes. When when it's personal, then of course we're going to attack back. But if we know, hey… This has nothing to do with me. They're having a hard time. I'm their grown up. I'm here to help. It's totally fine. Even if we don't have a snack in the car, I can handle this. I can, you know, I can make this fun. Feeling that confidence is is key because then you can exude that vibe that they, you know, feed off of. 
Plus, you know, that's a superpower to be able to turn that into something so awful, into something so great and positive. Also allows them to see that, look, mom is the boss. What she says is it. It really creates boundaries, which is- Which feels safe. Yeah, it feels safe. It Mm -hmm. creates freedom. That's huge. You're not going to stop at the gas station and get food, right? You're going home. They're going to wait for dinner or whatever was the usual firm boundary, but you can be kind about it and totally say like, it's fine for you to be hungry. Hmm, You must not have eaten much of your lunch today. Yeah. Totally fine. That, because that, when you yeah. are stopping at every place, then they look at that as like, oh my gosh, I'm the boss. And, yeah, uh, and that's, that's too scary much for them that's too. Scary. And mm-hmm. life just kind of gets out of hand. <laughs> Quickly. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Failing oh, Motherhood. Yes. That's very intriguing. <laughs> yes. And that came out of a long anonymous survey where I was asking parents, like, what keeps you up at night? What are your biggest fears? The big prevailing message that came back was, I'm so afraid of screwing up my kids. I feel like I'm damaging them with my temper. Just, I just feel like I'm failing. And I'm also, caveat, the only one. And you know, getting over 100 <laughs> responses that are basically like, I feel this way and I'm the only one, I realized, okay, this is the thing we need to talk about more. We need to normalize that you are not bad or wrong for feeling that way. That is kind of part of the gig. That is motherhood. You know, if you feel guilty, it's because you, you care. And if you feel defeated, it's because you're trying and you love the heck out of your kids. And Absolutely. so don't live in shame with that. You know, feeling like it's so scary if anyone were to ever find out. No, you need to be able to find resources and stories of other moms, even experts or just like a mom next door that felt that same way and reached out for help and, and found us, you know, some support and now feel better and, you know, feel more proud of themselves or have more confidence or just truly know that they are the parent their kids need. That's the message I want to send to every listener and just kind of help them really feel validated and understood when and come out of that, you know, dark corner and just be able to feel like they belong here. Well, I'm so glad that you created this space for them, this podcast during, you know, COVID failing Mm -hmm. motherhood. So people go out and listen to that failing motherhood. When I listened to that, I was like, oh my gosh, how how many of us think that way? Mm -hmm. And when we think that way and we don't reach out because we're, we feel guilty or feel shame or whatever those uh, negative vibes are, you know, when you reach out, people, they're like, oh my gosh, that's so relatable. Me too. Me too. And it just, your garden just blooms because when you're resentful and you're just like, oh, this is, I'm the only one, then we turn towards our child and we treat them wrongly. Oh, you know, we're yeah. licking our wounds because we take everything personal, but mm-hmm. we are creating deep rooted relationships with our kids for years to come. This is our legacy. It's everything. And it starts right now, wherever you are, even if you're thinking my child, it's too late. They're a teenager or whatever. You know, they're still hanging around the house. They're still watching you. They're watching you. Are you walking away from them? Or are you looking at them while they roll their eyes and they're they're just like prickly, you know, (laughs) little humans that you go to to hug and it just feels like a porcupine, you know, (laughs) lean in and love harder. Like I'm going to chase you down. Like I will never let you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And wherever you're at on that spectrum, you have to kind of prove yourself with the low stakes so that they keep coming to you with the higher stakes. So for a lot of the families I work with are age one to seven. They, you know, are just rolling their eyes because every meltdown is rational. Everything is a last straw about something ridiculous. And, you know, it's the color of the cup. It's the, you know, so-and-so got more veggie straws than me, you know, everything. They got the better stool at the kitchen. Everything is like death by paper cuts as a parent. But knowing that like, if you just show them 
I care about what you care about. I do hear you and and that's valid. And I, you know, I understand. And we take turns with the stools or whatever the boundary is, right? I don't have to let that dominate my day, but I don't also have to take it as a vicious threat against me and my worth as a parent. Then you can create so much more connection that where they really do believe, okay, my mom cares about what I care about. So when I have these bigger, scarier things going on, they're my trusted person. They have my back. Gosh, there's so many moms. They're probably pulling off on the side of the road just to take notes in a church parking lot or the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) This is so good. And it's so hopeful. It just makes me want to tear up because I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I speak to moms, they're like, I feel like a terrible mom. You know, this is so hard. And sometimes it can get relentless. It's like they... Every time the kid's like, he has more marshmallows and his chocolate milk than me, you know, or whatever. And you're like, it's not that way. Yeah. It's like, they just need that. Like you love me as much. Right. And yes, Yes. I do. So it's really about validation. And I love to sum it up. The the fact that you said you just keep coming back. You just keep coming back, you know, and I love you. I'm the mom. I'm setting boundaries. I love how you turn those weaknesses into, to make it Mm -hmm. positive. It's not personal. And when it's not personal, you're able to see the bigger picture, which a lot of red strong-willed cannot see. They only see Mm -hmm. their side. Life is going to be good, become very relatable to them. Like you hear them, you understand them. I get you. And that's all really they want. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. This is so good. Okay, Danielle, tell us how can people reach you? Yeah. So wherever you're at listening to this, go find Veiling Motherhood there. Otherwise, social media wise, I am most active on Instagram. I am parent underscore wholeheartedly. So come say hi and let me know you listen to this episode. That's how you found me. Um, my website is parentingwholeheartedly.com. And that's where I have several free resources, a calm to managing your child's big emotions, a guide for more patience, and a free training for parenting strong-willed kids without threats and bribes. So you can let go of your guilt and self-doubt. And that is kind of the the meat of where you can start to realize four misconceptions that are holding you back from parenting your strong-willed child with more patience, the kind and firm scripts that I teach, the collaborative problem solving that is really key to bring into conflict with them, and just some of the small shifts that make a really big difference for these kids. It's simple things, routine things like, you know, giving them their own calendar or, you know, having really, really structured one-on-one time that just, oh, all of a sudden like diffuse the bomb, you know, and and make you feel like you're not walking on eggshells anymore. This conversation is going to be a huge gift to moms that are dealing with those strong-willed children. They're going to listen to it a couple of times. I love how you (laughs) said, you know, you're giving us all the tools to let go of guilt and self-doubt to create those strong rooted relationships with our kids to last a lifetime. So thank you so much, Danielle. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Until next time, here's to living your best life. Hey, guys, if this show has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to click the five stars and tell me what you think over on Apple Podcast. You can go to my website at stephaniepletka.com and subscribe or grab a copy of my book, Living Your Best Life, or even download the Audible for Moms on the Go. Until then, here's to living your best life.